0: Welcome to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am your host, Elizabeth Benton Thompson. If you want to create change in any area of your life, you're in the right place. Together, we'll explore the strategies and tools I've used to lose over 100 pounds, pay off $130,000 in debt, and become a multiple seven-figure business owner. I've supported more than 3,000 women to levels of execution and fulfillment they didn't know were possible. Together, we'll break your past patterns and eliminate the appeal of your excuses so you can get consistent, stay consistent, create the results you want, and enjoy the journey. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am Elizabeth Benton. Thanks so much for joining me today. We are talking fat loss today, and I am going to break down what I am doing for fat loss and why. So, I've shared on a handful of episodes and probably in more detail inside the Primal Potential Facebook group, a little bit on Instagram, that I'm at the phase postpartum where I'm ready to lose the baby weight. And a bunch of you guys did a very simple three-day detox with me a couple weeks ago. That was amazing. I think we are going to do it again in November, so stay tuned for that. If you are not in the free Primal Potential Facebook group, join us there. Uh, It's a really incredible group, and it just helps so much to have other people doing it with you, cheering you on, sharing their ideas. It's such a cool thing. Uh, But after we wrapped up that detox, I asked on Instagram, and Facebook as I shift from the detox into this prolonged fat loss phase. Do you guys want to be a part of it? Do you want me to share the details? Are you interested? And it was a resounding, absolutely yes, share everything, share the details. So I wanted to do that today. Talk about what I'm doing and why with a few little disclaimers. All right. It wouldn't be an episode here without disclaimers. Maybe one day we'll live in a world where I won't feel like I need to, you know, put all those disclaimers out there. But, oh, first and most important one, if you hear a baby screaming, that's Roman. Dad's with him. He not, I'm not just like letting him scream while I sit here and record. Hopefully you can't hear it. Anyway, the first one is what I'm doing might not be appropriate for you, right? somebody asked me recently, I got a, I got a random email. It didn't have like a hello or a goodbye. Who knows? Could have been a bot. But somebody said like, I just dove into your podcast. Do you endorse a paleo approach? And I was like, you know, I can't say yes and I can't say no because the most important thing is start with what's an improvement for you. And I shared in this email that when I first started, when I lost 130 pounds, you know, a handful of years ago, I started with a smaller order at Chick-fil-A. Does that mean I endorse Chick-fil-A? No. Does it mean I don't endorse Chick-fil-A? I can't say that either because so much of this is based on where you are. And one of the reasons that I see so many people struggling to get results, and I struggled to get results for so long was because we try to make somebody else's planner program just fit for us. We we are the square peg that we're trying to fit in a round hole and it's just much more individual than that. So for some of you listening, you might be like, oh my gosh, that sounds perfect for me. And for others of you listening, you might think, gosh, that sounds strict or severe or sounds like she eats way too much. And all of that might be true. It might be perfect and it might be strict and it might be a lot of food for different people. So know that when it comes to fat loss, there are a million or more ways to go about it. What matters is that you focus on what is an improvement for you and you stay consistent. You stay consistent, knowing that where you start is not where you stay. To go back to that example that I know if you've been listening, you've heard me say a bajillion times, even though I started with a smaller order at Chick-fil-A, I didn't stay there. I don't go to (laughs) Chick-fil-A for breakfast now. That was just where I started. All right? So that's the first little caveat disclaimer. The second one is, along the lines of, individualism, I am, gosh, almost three months postpartum after having the twins, and I'm nursing, well, pumping. They're learning to breastfeed because, of course, they were born 13 weeks early, so they haven't quite gotten to full oral feedings yet, but we're working on it. But even without them taking all of their meals via breastfeeding, I'm still pumping for two around the clock. So that makes what I'm doing different for you, right? We're all so different. And that is a big factor for me because yes, I'm pursuing fat loss, but I also have to keep my milk supply up. That makes it a little bit more complex than for most people who aren't having to balance eating for fat loss, but eating enough to produce enough milk. For two babies, you know, keep that in mind. An interesting thing too, along those lines of postpartum, when I was putting this out there on Instagram the other day and asking, do you want me to share this journey of my own fat loss from three back-to-back pregnancies, four babies, less than three years, somebody said, what's the rush? And I was like, who said there was a rush? I think I literally said that. So me saying I'm in a fat loss phase, Why would someone ever think that means it's a rush? Is it because I'm only three months postpartum? Well, is there a magic number of months when it's appropriate to want to start to make an effort? I think that number would be different for everybody. And what I said to the individual, because she messaged me after I responded, I said, to me, rush and pressure, those have to do with your mindset, not number of days or weeks or months or years postpartum. Because you could want to start taking fat off one month postpartum, two months, three months, six months, 12 months, and you could feel rushed. I know people who are six years postpartum and feel rushed to lose weight. It doesn't have to do with the calendar. It has to do with how you think. So I don't personally feel rushed. I don't personally feel pressure, but I also, for myself, because our weight and our health is very individual, for myself, I don't see why I would put it off when it's what's best for me. And what's best for me is also best for my kids. You know, me being as healthy as possible is best for my kids. Obviously, I'm not going to be able to do some crazy, rushed, pressurized thing because, I'm breastfeeding for two, and that's that's the priority. So weight loss will go slower because of that, uh, because of eating enough to keep up not only milk production for one, but milk production for two. I think those are my caveats. Those are my caveats. You've got to do what works for you and is an improvement for you. We're all very different, and part of what makes me different and my journey different is the fact that I'm pumping. And so much of what screws people up has nothing to do with when they take on fat loss or how fast they lose weight. It has to do with how they think about it. So let me tell you my approach and I'm going to give you some specifics. What does a day look like? Let me make sure I make a note to myself uh, so that I don't forget to do that. Um, I'm going to talk about my approach, what it looks like, and the why behind it. When it comes to fat loss, and I don't care if you are 20, if you're 35, if you're 65, if you're premenopausal, postmenopausal, doesn't matter. This is true across the board. The two most important things for fat loss are food and hormones, Listen, exercise is amazing. It is great. But I think we all know that in 15 minutes of eating, you can wipe out any caloric benefit of of a workout. So exercise is incredible, especially for health, especially for mental health, but it's not the primary driver of fat loss, okay? The primary drivers of fat loss are what we eat and hormones. And the good thing about hormones for everybody who's thinking out there, well, my hormones are a disaster because I talk to a lot of people who feel that way, The number one way we influence our hormones is what we eat. So what we eat is primary for fat loss, hormones are primary for fat loss, and the number one way we influence our hormones is what we eat. So it doesn't mean you're out of luck if your hormones are a mess. Listen, my hormones are a mess. After every single one of my kids, the twins included, my thyroid goes bonkers. I was diagnosed with Graves' disease after Roman was born, and the endocrinologist was like, you're not going to be able to get pregnant. This is serious. You need to go see a specialist for this, that, and the other thing. And I was like, if I come back in a month, after eating clean for a month, my thyroid will be normalized. I do not have Graves' disease. This is a postpartum storm. Happens to me every time. So not only do I have hormones associated with postpartum and lactation, but also my thyroid's crazy, and I've struggled with estrogen dominance for, since puberty. So do not think that you are out of the game if you have hormonal challenges. You're not. The primary way we influence and optimize or totally destroy our hormones is what we eat. When I think about a hormonally supportive approach to fat loss, optimizing hormones, getting them where they need to be to facilitate fat loss, we're looking primarily at minimizing blood sugar fluctuations, right? Because that just is mandatory for fat loss. You can have weight loss, but it's not necessarily fat loss. So here's what I mean by that. A lot of us grew up or experienced at some time the low-fat craze when to lose weight, you could have an unlimited amount of Snackwell's cookies and pasta, right? But don't you dare have an egg yolk. That would be bad. Or a piece of cheese or anything like that. And people lost weight. But they didn't necessarily lose fat or change the shape of their body Calories do matter, but if you want the results of truly burning fat and not just losing water, losing muscle mass, you really want to go about this hormonal approach. And the hormonal approach requires that we minimize blood sugar fluctuations. Now, I've done probably 100 episodes of this podcast around blood sugar and insulin and glucagon and those relationships. So there's years and years and years of history there. But just to get everybody on the same page about what I'm saying when I talk about blood sugar fluctuations. Well, actually, let me put it this way. One of the reasons that I am not a fan of counting calories is because calories, even when we talk about macros, which is calorie counting, but a little bit more specific, like you're not just lumping all calories together, but you're saying calories from carbs, calories from fat, calories from uh, protein. The reason why I don't like that is that it disregards the impact of a food on your hormones. So for example, if we take 150 calories from Coke, Coca-Cola, and 150 calories from broccoli, they have a dramatically different impact on your hormones. 150 calories is not 150 calories in the body. They, what we eat is information to the body. And so and and what's interesting about the comparison of Coca-Cola to broccoli, both of those are carbohydrates. You know, a lot of people think protein, fat, carb and vegetable. No, no. Vegetables are carbohydrates. All right? Now, they have a different breakdown of say glucose versus fiber, but they're they're still carbohydrates. And so macro counting kind of doesn't take that into effect. Like if you have to have you know, X many carbs and counting your macros, that could be Coke or that could be broccoli. But we see that in terms of the blood sugar fluctuation, in terms of the insulin response, broccoli is an entirely different situation than Coca-Cola. When we consume carbohydrates, whether that is from broccoli or it's from an apple or it's from sweet potato, or it's from Doritos. As that breaks down, it breaks down to its primary building blocks, and there's going to be some glucose. If we're talking about an apple, there's going to be some fructose. If we're talking about broccoli, there'll also be some fiber in there. There's a little bit of fiber in an apple. There's a little bit of fiber in most carbohydrates. Not all, but most. And the more glucose that you have, the more of an increase in blood sugar that you are going to create. And when blood sugar rises, insulin is deployed to sort of usher the sugar out of the bloodstream because it's it's dangerous there, it's toxic there, it can't hang out there. Your body has to maintain stable blood sugar. So insulin is sort of the usher taking the sugar out of the blood and taking it away to be stored. The more sugar that hits your bloodstream, the more insulin that is deployed to usher it out. And the presence of insulin basically says, don't you dare burn fat. We have fuel in the pipeline. The only reason your body breaks down fat is because it needs it for fuel. And insulin being present in your system says, we don't need the energy from fat. We've got it here from sugar. All right. So we want to keep blood sugar stable because we want to avoid those peak valley, peak valley, peak valley situations that come from, say, the muffin in the morning or the sugary latte or the candy bar, et cetera, because those little fluctuations, those peaks, those spikes deploy insulin, which tells the body fat burning off, fat burning not needed. All right, so my approach to hormonally supported fat loss, number one, is about minimizing blood sugar fluctuations. One of the ways that I do that is by following what I call the golden rules of carbs and fat loss. I'm not going to go into it here. You can listen to episode 195 of the podcast, 195, that goes through the golden rules, but that is the how I minimize blood sugar fluctuations, all right? And then the other thing that I do, because the the golden rules of carbs and fat loss tell me how to treat carbohydrates in my fat loss approach, but the other thing that I want to do is be protein dominant in my meals, all right, and also have healthy fats. Healthy fats could be things like salmon, avocado, um, coconut oil, that sort of thing, even when I have my my Greek yogurt, which I love so much, I get full fat because I I want the fats. The fats are good. The fats that we want to avoid are the fats that are in processed foods, the fats that are in um, seed oils, crop oils, that sort of thing. Lots of protein, leading with protein being protein dominant when I eat. I always think that through. Like, where's my protein coming from? If we before the twins were born, we'd been doing family dinner once a week with my mom and her husband, Chris's parents, me, Chris Roman. And I wouldn't always have influence or say over where we were going. And whenever I would look at the menu, I would be thinking, does this have enough protein or can I add protein to it? Because a lot of times at restaurants, it's, it's a carb dominant meal. And that can be the case even with salads. You know, there's this one place we go to that's this beautiful salad, but it's got beets which are a starchier carb. It's got a starchier vegetable. It's got corn, which is a starchier vegetable, and it had very little protein. So I was always looking at, if I was going to get that, how do I make that protein forward, even if it's vegetables? And then, of course, pasta dishes, rice dishes, et cetera, tend to be more carb forward. And, and as far as restaurants are concerned, it's because that's a lot cheaper. It's cheaper for them to give you a huge plate of pasta or a huge serving of rice. The protein is more expensive, so you get less of it. So I'm always looking at at that when I'm eating out. So the golden rules of carbs and fat loss, making the meals protein forward and making sure I'm getting plenty of healthy fats from whole food sources. I'm going to talk about what I drink and what I don't drink and supplements and movement and sleep. But let me tell you what this looks like on an average day for me. And again, don't forget, I'm eating more than I would be if I wasn't pumping for two babies. Okay, so if I describe this and you think, man, that's a lot of food, Part of that has to do with the fact that I'm I'm a thick girl and I always have been. I have a lot of muscle mass on me, plus I have extra weight, plus I'm feeding two other humans. Um, so that's part of it. And some of you might hear this and go, "That doesn't sound like a lot of food at all." Remember, it's not where I started. All right. If I told you what an average day looked like for me when I was 350 plus pounds, it'd shock it shock a lot of people. But then again, you don't get to 350 pounds if you're not eating a lot. You know what I'm saying? All right. So an average day for me looks like this. I, and I'll give you the, the details of how this works timing wise too, because a lot of people have said, I'm interested in how you do this with such little time, because as of when I'm recording this, I do still have two kids in the NICU plus a one-year-old at home. And the NICU where our girls are is two, two and a half hours away. So I'm spending anywhere from four to six hours a day in the car, depending on traffic, all right? So I wake up around 4.15 in the morning and I go downstairs, get myself ready. I take with me one or two cups of coffee over ice, depending on the day. Most of the time that is black, Every once in a while, say three days a week, two days a week, I'll put a little heavy cream in there, but I never sweeten my coffee. One thing that I learned uh, when I originally lost 130 pounds was the more sweet that I introduced to my palate, the more sweet that I crave. So I try to be very sparing with things that are sweet tasting and I don't like to start my day with them because I think it sets the tone for what my palate is expecting. That's true for me, might not be true for you. Um, All right, so... The thing that I eat to start the day, I would prefer to not eat in the morning. If I, and we'll touch on this before we wrap up today, but if I were not nursing, pumping, breastfeeding, I'd probably do intermittent fasting because I like that because I'm typically not hungry in the morning. But because I need to be producing milk around the clock, I do eat in the morning and I usually bring it with me and either eat it right when I get to the hospital or... I'll be honest, I'll eat it while I'm driving, hands-free, i put it in the cup holder. Um, Greek yogurt, full-fat, plain, I typically buy Phy-A. Uh it's RBH, uh, RBST, RBGH, however it says different things on different labels, it means recombinant bovine growth hormone free, uh, which is just, just a little healthier, a little less toxic. No uh, hormones, growth hormones given to the cows that are producing the milk for the yogurt. RBGH or RBST are typically the ways it shows up on the label. So I usually get Faye, I get the full fat, which is 5%. 5% is full fat. And I add to it some clean chocolate protein powder. Yes, it is already a high-protein food. I add a little bit more. And sometimes couple days a week I crunch up a little bit of a power crunch bar and and put it in there. So I literally just like in the package, I'll smush it up with my fingers and then I'll open the package and put, you know, a third of the bar sometimes less in there and stir it up. But so sometimes I just have it with chocolate protein, sometimes I have it with chocolate protein and a little bit of a protein bar. That is what I do in the morning. I tend to keep in my bag a little bit of um, beef jerky. It's not my favorite thing in the world, but it is a really portable thing. I don't have to keep it refrigerated. It's high protein. It's got some good fat in there. All of these things are minimizing blood sugar fluctuations, right? Because I'm not having a sweetened yogurt that has sugar in it. I'm not doing fruit, Um when, when fat loss is the goal, it's those golden rules of carbs and fat loss. So I don't have starch or sugar uh, in the morning or at lunchtime. Um, so I tend to keep that in my bag. Sometimes I'm hungry when I'm at the hospital and I'll eat it there. Sometimes I eat it right when I'm leaving because I'm guaranteed to be super hungry. At that point, uh, I tend to leave... I always leave before noon because I'm trying to get back before Roman's nap, Um, but I will have that jerky, or if I don't have that, I will put a stick or two of string cheese in my bag, and I'll have that instead. Now, in this phase that has been going on for a few months now, I get my lunch on the drive home from the hospital. Again, it's two, two and a half hours, depending on traffic. If there was no traffic, it would literally be a 75 minute drive, but it's Boston. There's always traffic. Um, One of the things that I do to make it easier on myself is I order my meal on my phone as I'm leaving the hospital Because it helps me avoid impulse purchases of like, oh, this one thing won't hurt. I'll have this. I go to Chipotle. That's where I order my lunch from. Uh, There isn't one near my house, but there is one on the way home from the hospital. And I get, I'll tell you exactly what I order. I get a bowl, no rice, no beans, but I do have fajita veggies. And then I'll do double protein, either chicken or steak, whatever I'm feeling, double protein. Sometimes I'll do half and half um half chicken half steak and then i add pico and guacamole the truly the only reason that i order it on my phone is because if i'm there then it's like should i get chips? should i add sour cream? should i add cheese? so it really doesn't save me much time because i get there when it's opening and there's no line um In fact, sometimes I wait longer, having ordered it online, if I get there a little bit early and it's not quite ready yet. But that is just a trick I use to help me avoid impulse purchases. It works. It works. And here's the deal. A lot of people are like, well, I don't have time. It's just easier for me. I was on the phone with a client the other day who was like, it's just easy for me to go get fast food. Listen, it is not 1992. You can eat out and eat for fat loss. And if you're telling yourself you can't, you're lying. You're absolutely 100% lying because you can. If your life depended on it, you could do it. And let me tell you, your life kind of does depend on it. So no matter what restaurant you are at, no matter how little time you have, you absolutely can eat for fat loss anywhere. Even if you don't have a Chipotle near you, there are plenty of other options. You could go into a gas station and get a stick of string cheese and some beef jerky and a bottle of water, and you're going to be okay. So there's a way absolutely everywhere. That's what I do. So I grab my salad on the way home from the hospital, and we eat dinner pretty early because we have a one-year-old, and he goes to bed at 7. So we eat dinner around five. Oftentimes, I can make it from my chipotle salad to dinner without eating, but sometimes I'm either hungry or I want something or I feel like my milk supply is a little low. So my go-tos, I either do a very simple protein shake with a uh, plain chocolate protein powder, water, ice, a scoop of nut butter, either um, cashew butter or almond butter, sometimes peanut butter if that's what we happen to have, um, and... I'll share it with Roman because, you know, when you have a one-year-old and you're at home, there's nothing that you eat that they don't eat. And it too falls into those golden rules of carbs and fat loss. I'm not triggering any kind of major blood sugar fluctuation with those choices. So it's either a protein shake or it's something like a handful of almonds, a handful of macadamia nuts. Uh, If I didn't have jerky earlier in the day, maybe I had string cheese or maybe I wasn't hungry, I'll have that then. And then dinner, if we're home, we have a few staples. I am not a creative cook. I'm not somebody that wants to spend a lot of time in the kitchen. Right now, I don't have a lot of time to spend in the kitchen. Tonight, Chris made dinner because I had uh, something out of the house and wasn't home to prepare it, but we literally had steak and broccoli. Broccoli. Steak and broccoli, that's it. Uh, one of our other go-tos is spaghetti squash that will top with ground meat and tomatoes and basil. And I like to do a blend of ground pork and ground beef. It's just more flavorful. Roman loves it. We love it. It's great for leftovers. As the weather cools down, I love to do a beanless chili. I'll do ground beef, tomatoes, carrots, different spices, um that's great to eat on its own, or sometimes I'll bulk it up by serving it over cauliflower rice. Love that. We love burrito bowls. Chris will often have his with rice. I'll usually have mine over cauliflower. Uh, And you can just very much like chipotle, whatever protein you want. You can do some avocado or some guac. You can do salsa. You can't lose. We love that. I also like poke bowls, but I don't typically make them at home. I do in the summer. Well, before the twins were born now, just takes too much time. And then we go out to eat probably a couple of times a week or we do takeout. Um, Bunless burgers are great. Steak can't go wrong. I really like fish. If it's something that comes with, say, rice or pasta, I'll ask if I can do veggies instead. Um... And then you might be wondering, well, Golden Rules, episode 195 says, you know, carbs at that evening meal. I'll be honest with you, if I'm going to do carbs in the evening, and sometimes I just don't because I feel better without it, I want it to be something like popcorn after dinner. Not too late after dinner, not right before bed, because I like to have a buffer there. But I also try to go to bed pretty early. So I try to have it as close to dinner time more as like the end of dinner rather than a separate snack. I did an episode talking about that uh, not too long ago about how if you're going to have something like that, have it right after dinner instead of an hour or two after dinner because it's going to have a, lower, uh, Im- a lesser impact on your blood sugar than if, say, two hours after dinner you have a bowl of fruit or you have a cookie or whatever have it be like dessert rather than a snack. It's better for blood sugar. Um, Okay. What do I drink? I said coffee in the morning, usually black, sometimes with heavy cream. I throughout the day drink a ton of edge uh, and now pep. um, I don't know if you've seen my Instagram posts on that, but it's this new, it's like a cross between kombucha and soda. But it uh, doesn't have artificial sweeteners, doesn't have sugar, doesn't have any calories. It has a little bit of caffeine. I probably am drinking a little more caffeine than I should right now. But just in this season, I'm really freaking tired. <laughs> I'm really tired. Um, and then plain water as well. But I right now like the flavor more than I like plain water. I go in phases. So that I go back and forth between edge and Pep has now taken a big... A big role because it was just launched. It's brand new. Um, okay, the supplement piece of things. To me, I think about supplements as a way to do for my hormones what maybe my diet can't do. And the microbiome was a big piece of that. I've done a handful of episodes on how significant the impact is uh between your microbiome and your ability to lose weight it has a huge huge impact and i don't i don't want to leave it to chance right i want to make sure that i am boosting everything that could give me an advantage for fat loss and i know that the microbiome is a is a big piece of that so uh, the probiotic supplements that I take are largely for the sake of supporting fat loss, GBX Fit, uh, as well as just a standard probiotic. Um, I'm not going to go through all the supplements I take, but but the probiotics are really because folks with dysbiosis or any kind of dysregulation of the microbiome are more likely to be overweight. Um, and then a couple of other things that I take for many reasons, but one of them is undoubtedly fat loss, um, are the adaptogens that I take, the, the supplements for stress management, mood and kids' mood. Because when cortisol, one of our stress hormones, is high or adrenaline is high, that suppresses fat loss. It's part of the hormonal interplay that impacts our ability to burn fat. And uh, I'm under a lot of stress right now. Not only the emotional stress of two kids in the NICU, of three kids under 17 months, of you know all that's going on, but also the physical stress of recovering from a C-section, recovering from trauma, physical trauma and mental and emotional trauma, that impacts hormones. And when the body is under stress, it's like, well, we don't want to release this fat because we're in an emergent situation and we might need it. We might need it, so we need to hold on to it. So I consider mood and kids' mood part of the fat loss equation. And the same thing with Relief Plus. So that is an all-natural anti-inflammatory and inflammation in the body that can come from stress, physical stress, emotional stress, uh, trauma, physical trauma, or mental emotional trauma, tells the body Like, no, something's wrong here, and it makes it harder to lose fat. So while there are many reasons that I take Relief Plus, weight is certainly one of them. Now, I touched on movement. I'm not going to go into that too much because exercise is incredible for health, but it's not a primary driver of fat loss, not anywhere near the impact of nutrition and hormonal optimization, but I am really looking for opportunities to, to move more, especially to walk more. I spend a ton of time in the car. Then when I'm in the hospital I'm I'm sitting, you know, I'd only be pacing back and forth and I can't pace while I'm holding the girls because they're hooked up to monitors. So I spend a lot of time sitting. I'm really making an effort to be up and on my feet as much as possible because sitting is just really bad for you. Um, and then lifting heavy weights. That is the name of the game. The more muscle we have, the healthier we will be. The more metabolically active our bodies are. I mean, I am in the name of put on muscle. It will not bulk you up. If you feel like you're bulking up, that's a nutrition thing. It is not an exercise thing. One other thing that I want to call out here as having a big role is sleep. Sleep and sleep deprivation impact fat loss. If you are not getting enough sleep, it does impact your ability to burn fat. However, it does not eliminate your ability to burn fat. I'm not going to lie. This is not a season of life where I can optimize my sleep. I just can't. I get up at four in the morning. I don't work until Roman goes to bed because my time with him is so limited. And when the twins come home, it's a whole other animal. Can you still burn fat if you're not getting sleep? Yes. Does it help you if you can get more sleep? Absolutely. So, if you can, do it, but it's not something that I'm really focused on or stressed about right now. I want to wrap up with a couple things I would do differently if I wasn't nursing, but I am. And I already mentioned one of them uh, I would do intermittent fasting because I really like that approach. I'm typically not hungry in the morning. And I would also do extended uh, or periodic extended fasts. I've really, really enjoyed uh, doing 48-hour, 36-hour. I even did one seven-day water fast. I don't think I'll do that anytime soon in the season of life with kids to chase after. But um, I would incorporate that if I weren't nursing. And I'd probably eat a little bit less. And that would happen by default, if I were intermittent fasting, like I wouldn't be doing the Greek yogurt with protein powder first thing in the morning. Um, But uh, yeah, that's what it that's what would look a little bit different. I don't have a magic number of pounds I'm trying to lose. I don't even check my weight very often. I will check it more as I'm sharing here because um, I think it's helpful to share that with you guys to as as an easy way to know what has an impact and what has less of an impact. Uh, but I really am going based off how I feel and how I feel right now is just big. (laughs) I feel big and I'm not, I'm not mad about it. I don't have drama around it. I gained weight with three pregnancies. Like it is what it is. I'm, I'm, I am determined to stay in the realm of what I can do to create what I want, not in the realm of judging what's behind me or trying to Monday morning quarterback what I could have or should have done differently. Like, I don't think that any good can come from that. I want to give the energy that I have to creating the change that I want. So I'm going to plan to continue these updates as long as they're helpful, certainly not every week, but, you know, maybe once a month or at whatever interval you guys tell me you like hearing about it, uh, because I want to be very honest about what happens when there are roadblocks, what happens when I have days where I just don't give a shit, uh, all of those things, what is working really well, what has clicked, uh, What have I changed in my strategy? All of those kinds of things. I I think that it's just helpful to see people in real time doing what so many of us want to do, which is lose weight. So I hope this episode was helpful. Let me know. If you've got questions, let me know because I'm happy to dive into anything that is valuable to you. Make it a great day. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you enjoyed it, make sure to take a few seconds to leave a rating and review on whatever platform you're listening. It not only supports the show in a huge way, but it also automatically enters you into our weekly product giveaway. For more tools, tips, and strategies on creating change, check out my first book, Chasing Cupcakes, and follow me on Instagram, at Elizabeth Benton. Remember, every choice is a chance, and I'll see you next time.